are going to continue on in the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bible or an app, or you can look at the screen. Um, Luke chapter 3, uh, verse 7 to 14. And uh, the title this morning is Relaying Reality with Boldness. Relaying Reality with Boldness. And uh, when you relay a message timidly, it may not have the same effect as relaying the message boldly. Right? I mean, when I was in seminary, we had a class called Preaching Lab, and we would deliver a message as we were preaching. The rest of the class would be judging. <laughs> they would be judging. Like, by judging, I mean, they, they literally gave us a form that we would rate the person preaching if they said any filler words, you know, like, um, um, you know, or like I always do, and so. You'll hear me, like, say that a hundred times this morning. But we would mark it down. Okay, they said that. They did. We would write down any distracting ticks or mannerisms the person preaching had. Uh, and we had to rate the speaker on the conviction with which they actually spoke. So if a student was kind of timid and quiet, they would, they would not be rated well. <laughs> Just how they did it. Now that, now that the person preaching had to, they didn't have to yell or anything, right? But at least have some passion and purpose behind the preaching. And see, when someone tells me something passionately and with a seriousness. I'm drawn in. I don't know about you, but I'm drawn in to listen. I'm like, what are they saying? Like, this person is really affecting, you know, or affecting me as they're speaking. And we have the gospel. We have God's word. We know the truth, right? And so when we get the opportunity to relay it, why not relay it with true boldness? Boldness should be the result of steadfast belief, right? We believe something. If we truly 100% believe it, we're going we're gonna to be convicted and convincing and consider this. You know, We will 100% be all in. And there's no reason to be timid when it comes to the truth because the truth contained in God's word has changed our lives. You know, When we have the message that is more powerful than any message on the face of the earth, we should be bold with it, right? And I love what D.L. Moody said. When we find a person meditating on the words of God, my friends, that person is full of boldness. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Courage is an outflow of knowing Christ. So we started chapter 3 last week, and we saw the early life of John the baptizer, and we looked at his ministry and the prophecy of what, would actually, what he would actually do, and now John is on the scene, right? And it's time for the prophecy to be fulfilled and for John to give the message to turn people's hearts and eyes towards the Messiah and to do it all with boldness. So last week we saw the ministry and the prophecy of John the Baptist. This week we'll see the message, the message. Next week we're going to see the Messiah. So let's pray and then we'll get into the word this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you, Lord, that this isn't just uh, words on a paper, Lord. This is words from your heart to your children's heart, Lord. And so we thank you, God, that you've given us the God-breathed, innate, perfect word of God in order for us to study and to live out, Lord, to take in and to give out, Lord. Help us to learn and glean and encourage and exhort and lift us up this morning, Lord. We're built up in this place, Lord. We pray that we go out of here with boldness, Lord, uh, proclaiming the truth, living our lives in such a way that would be pleasing to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at verses 7 to 14 of Luke chapter 3, which says, and then he said to the multitudes, right, John, that came out to be baptized by him, he said, you guys are great. No, what did he say? He said, brood of vipers, 
who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the people asked him, say, well, what should we do? And he answered and he said to them, well, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Then the tax collectors also came to be baptized, right? And said to him, well, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, well, collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, well, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. So multitudes, crowds, the whole crowd of people, right, came out to hear John the baptizer, who, what he was preaching about, like, what's this guy about, right? He's drawing attention. He's drawing these crowds. He drew people in with the words he was saying, and people were intrigued and I think fascinated. Like, <laughs> same is true today, right? Like, people get drawn in to what someone is saying or doing or filming on their phone, right? That draws attention. And so they focus and they listen. What, what is this all about? You know, back in Southern California, our church, uh, Calvary Chapel LAX, would go to the promenade in Santa Monica at one time, and we set up this booth called the Jesus Booth. It was like a little PVC pipe thing, it was, it was a square booth, and we set it up. And what we would do, we would just be available for those who had questions about the faith or needed prayer or wanted to share with us or comment or anything. We were just available for the community. I mean, it was a way to get out into the community and be, just be available for the people. And half the people who came up to the booth were just inquiring about what we were doing and what we were about. So we would tell them it was pretty awesome. And when it comes to sharing the gospel, there are different methods. There are many different methods, but it's always the same message. Some share through music, some through writing, some through social media, some through conversations with anyone and everyone. And it's an amazing message and a beautiful reality that we get to relay. Right? So there are people who were drawn to John as he was preaching and baptizing. You know, now, John the Baptist, he gave a feel-good message that made everyone happy, right? No, absolutely, absolutely not. I mean, neither did he rebuke everyone the whole time he was preaching either. He wasn't like yelling the whole time. But what he was doing was getting everyone ready to see Jesus and receive his message. And so John received questions, and he clearly answered them. You know, so on the onset, John gets straight to the rebuking of those whose hearts were not in line with the Lord. Verses 7 through 9, you know, addressing those who are crowded around you and actually want to listen to you, and opening with brood of vipers, that was not really customary at the time. They didn't teach that in rabbi school. Like, just make sure you call them all snakes, like when you start out preaching. But that's what he did, basically. Brood of vipers is like, you snakes, I mean... Tell me what you really think, bro. You know, it's one of those things. It's like, wow. But I love John because he was not interested in gaining a following for himself. Right? So he could, he wasn't trying to get verified with the blue check mark on Twitter. Right? John, John wasn't trying to be seen and get all eyes on him. He was, didn't have a streak or anything. Like, John wasn't interested in preaching. He was interested in, not in preaching a soft, ambiguous message. Like, oh, I hope they like me. You know? He got straight to the heart of hypocrisy. When it comes to truth, as much as possible, we'll get to the point. You know, John lived in the desert his whole life, but he knew what the religious leaders were all about. Like, he was discerning. He saw through them. John viewed 
you know, John was viewed like different, cut from a different cloth, like and unconventional in his preaching, his wardrobe and his eating habits. He was different. But this demonstrates that Jesus didn't just call the polished, good orators to be his mouthpieces and prepare the way. He called the dude who lived in the desert, wore funky clothes and ate grasshoppers and honey, right? I mean, he was a guy who, if we saw him today, if he came into this church, we may be, we might have questions. <laughs> like, is he okay? Okay, security. Paul, can you go check him out? <laughs> you know? I mean, the Bible makes it clear that the Lord, though, he... The Lord saves and uses those whom the world looks at and judges, oftentimes. Like John opened his sermon by rebuking the religious leaders and calling them to repent. Bold. Now keep in mind, it doesn't say John was, was angry, yelling at everyone, in a rage, holding up a sign, saying, you're going to hell, period. Like, he, he gave the whole gospel, but th- that's not what this is. Like, it's not like he was a hothead with a selfish agenda trying to prove his point. I think if our motivation is to prove our point at all costs, I want, to prove, I want to prove them wrong, right? We don't know about that in marriage, right? We're never like that at all, right? Um, but I want to prove my point. Well, if, if that's our whole goal, right, then the gospel can get clouded, maybe convoluted, and we can lose sight of who we're sharing for, like what we're actually doing. Like, it isn't for us to try to be right. It's not about acting like we're right and everyone else is wrong, and they need to know. It's about, it's about asking questions, helping others to consider truth, and sharing wisdom of God. It's not our message we're sharing, right? It's people are like, well, I don't believe it. I can't believe you're so narrow-minded. Why are you looking at me? Like, this is, this is the Lord's message. This is the truth. John the Baptist is simply being real and honest and calling out sin on the front end. And last Wednesday, you know, night we were in Leviticus 13. We talked about uh, leprosy and the parallel of sin and the last two Wednesdays, Wednesdays, I spoke about sin, you know, for about over an hour combined, and we had a discussion afterwards. I prepared them, but um, next week, this week we're talking about salvation, don't worry. But it's important not to beat around the bush when it comes to the stark reality of sin. And John was all about calling out sin, calling for repentance. He's, John is calling for true repentance, which is not just a feeling, right? It's an action. He's basically saying, I'll see your changed lives when I see your changed actions. Right, like which is called fruit in the Bible. Like there are many who, in the emotional moment, will renounce sin and make vows to God. And maybe we've done that sometimes. Lord, I will follow you fully this time. I'm not gonna, you know, now that I'm back on track, I will be different. I will be better. Like I swear to you, I will be changed as of today. But you know, words are cheap. John say, okay, so you're going to be different. Well, let's see the fruit of that change. You can say it all day long, but until I see something. I'm not going to believe it. Like, it's not just about the words we speak in regards to commitment. It's about the actions that we take that show fruit is being produced and lives are truly being changed. And I can tell you about who I am, but until my actions line up with what I'm saying, my words are just empty. And some people are great salesmen. They're great. Like, they're, they're amazing. They can sell you the dirt outside and make you think you got a great deal. It's like, look at this dirt. Thank you, God. You'll believe it's valuable. Like, I mean, I'm impressed by those who are quick-witted, who can persuade and make others consider what they're selling. And that's why um, I will never do those timeshare things, because I'll probably sign up for it. You know what I'm saying? You do those timeshare, and then you get free. I will never do that, because I'm a sucker. But not all salesmen, not all salesmen are selling with the right intentions either, right? You got to kind of discern. Nor are they all selling good quality products. Could be a piece of junk. But all believe, you know, as believers, it is necessary that our actions actually line up with what we're saying. 
And so verse 8, now this is the claim of the Jews, verse 8. They, says, they said, we have Abraham as our father. So we know from Genesis, remember God gave uh, the covenant to Abraham and to his seed forever. So we really are uh, the beneficiaries of God's grace and covenant to Abraham. And the Jews are like, well, we have Abraham. We're, we're the covenant, covenanted people, right? And they really rested on that relationship to Abraham. So to Jesus, when Jesus was challenging their lifestyle, they said, well, we have Abraham as our father. It, it was actually a very common saying among the Jews. They were resting upon the covenant that God made with Abraham and to his seed forever, and thus recognizing that covenant, they would basically say, well, we have Abraham as our father, we're good now, okay? Like, we're saved, not to worry, it's all good. And that was sort of an excuse to live any kind of lifestyle they wanted. Well, I have Abraham as my father, I'm under the covenant, I can live however I please now, because we got Abraham as our father. And, and John was saying, hey, don't try and pass off that you have Abraham as your father, like, see, the Jews were taught that trusting in Abraham's merits were sufficient for salvation. But the religious Jews taught that it was impossible for any descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to go to hell. And so John is calling for a true repentance, a changed life through changed actions. And this saying, it wasn't to be an excuse to do whatever you wished. John wasn't unreasonable in demanding bearing fruit. See, True repentance will always have fruit. The main fruit of the Christian life is love. In the first century, the religious leaders had no love. They had power. They had influence, right? And, and most used these things to rip people off. And that sounds familiar, unfortunately. I wish it didn't sound familiar, but it sounds familiar. Because the same thing has unfortunately been happening for centuries. This is why we must help others to see the true purpose of the church and the purpose and message of believers, so far, John has been preaching to the religious leaders, and now he kind of addresses the general crowd, and then the tax collectors, and then the soldiers, because after he, gave, after he called them snakes, everyone's like, well, what do we have to do, you know? So in 10 through 14 verses, verses 10 through 14, the general crowd, they said, well, what should we do then? Like, what shall we do to get right? Like, and what John was bringing up was that the people should not be mean and cruel, and they should actually be fair and share and be thankful for what they have. And someone once said, integrity in the ordinary things is still a mark of true repentance. No one is called to be a jerk for Jesus. You know, no one's called to be that, or angry for the Almighty, or selfish for the Savior. Like, no one's called to be any of that. I'm just saying. Character matters, right? And our actions should actually back up our character. So John is saying, you know, be a giver, not a taker, and see those who have needs, and do something about it. Look beyond yourself and help others. Help those who are hungry and do what you can to feed them. So then the tax collectors, of course, probably freaked out. They're like, okay, fair enough, preacher. Like, what shall we do then? So what John makes clear is that they don't have to do difficult things or complicated procedures to repent. It's just about coming to the Lord honestly and asking for forgiveness. It's not complicated. Now, it's hard for us sometimes to say, not for me, but for you guys, I was wrong. No, okay. no, it's hard for all of us, right? It's hard for us to say, I was wrong, I'm sorry. But that's what we, in, a, in essence, that's what we do when we come to the Lord. Lord, I was wrong, I'm sorry. The more complicated we make things, the more stressful things become. You ever notice that? <laughs> Listen to what God says to the tax collectors. Okay, collect no more than what's appointed for you. Do not intimidate anyone or accuse them falsely, and just be content with your wages. 
So after John addresses the religious leaders and the general crowd, he addresses the shady tax collectors, because that's how they were seen in that day, shady, you know, dishonest. And here's an important difference. Like, John wasn't trying to abolish taxes altogether. What he was preaching was that those who collect taxes, you know, do it honestly. Don't rip off the people. The Romans, they would actually tax people by auctioning the rights to collect taxes to their highest bidder. Because the tax collector could cover his costs and make a profit by getting as much as he could, these men would rip people off and were hated intensely. Like, these were the toll takers, the custom gatherers for the Romans, and most of them were just, most of them were super greedy. They were called publicans because they took up publica, meaning the goods of the empire. They'd collect taxes over what was required. This is how much they had to collect, so they would collect this much. Right? And they were extorting money. They were embezzlers. John was calling for an honest look at individual hearts. Like, guys, you know you've been lacking integrity. You know you've been in sin. Now it's time to repent. Now's the time. Repentance is the start of, of something beautiful. And that something beautiful is forgiveness and restoration. The message matters. And so John was like a teacher helping students to focus on what would benefit them in the class and get a good grade, you know? Like a teacher spending extra time with a student to do all they can to help so they can progress in a subject. He was like that. John was doing this to prepare the people spiritually to progress, to move forward. And so in verse 14 and 15, John addresses the religious leaders, uh, the general crowd, the tax collectors, and now in verse 14 and 15, the soldiers. John says, don't abuse your authority and be content with your compensation. See, the Roman soldiers had a reputation of abusing their authority and using their authority for selfish gain. Why? Because they didn't get that much compensation. But John is telling them, don't be complainers about it. Be content with where you are right now. These two things were connected. Like you don't have much right now, but you have enough. Learn to have joy with the minimum materially. Like, you, you might not have any extra, right, to, to go to Meat Boss, but that's okay. That's okay. God's given you enough to sustain you. Oftentimes, we're like, that's enough, but they have more. And we start to covet and look to others, and it's like, no, God's blessed us right where we're at. We have enough. Our family's provided for. We can eat. There's a roof over our head. Praise the Lord. But what I love about this whole scene is that John addressed specifically, like, different groups of people who were inquiring. He could have just generalized the whole message to everyone, cookie-cutter message. But he said, the Messiah is coming on the scene. He, he, he loves all of you the same. He wants you to be saved. He could have generalized it. But John considered who, he was, ask, who was asking him the questions, right? And he answered based on who he was addressing. And I love that because I love this because it shows that we must build a bridge and understand to some extent where the person we're talking to is coming from, what they believe, what they think. And again, I don't know why I'm going back to salesmen, but like there are really good salesmen that really like ask you questions and listen and talk. And it's like they'll, you know, they'll build that bridge or relationship with you so you actually trust them. It's like any person out there in the world, like you're going to trust someone if you build that relationship with them, get to know them, get to know who they really are. John considered who was asking him the questions and he answered based on who he was addressing. And that's Proverbs 27, consider your audience, consider who you're talking to. So connect through relationship and then relay the transforming truth. 
this was how John prepared the way for Jesus to come on the scene because because Jesus would have the same words and yet elaborate a lot more, right? He would expound upon these things. So the people, but repentance was the first step, repentance, baptism. But the people were wondering who this John was, right? And they were kind of amazed at the words he was like speaking. Not that they should have been amazed at John. They should have been amazed at the Messiah who was about to show up. And that's what John, next week we'll see, he makes clear. But when you are in awe of something, just amazed at something, it will affect you. Right? You'll, you'll think about it. it will, you'll, you'll change the way you're thinking, even. It was like when we went to, to the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. Right? There was about four of us families who went, and the replica that they built the, the, of the Ark was exact dimensions, biblically, you know, uh, 51 feet high, 85 feet wide, 510 feet long. It was massive. And if I just w- w- stood there, for like, I, would, I could stay in there for like a couple hours and just look at it and just not even go in and just leave, I would be content because I was like, this is just amazing. I was amazed. I was in awe of what seeing the ark did for me in my heart. But it was, it got me looking forward to going inside and learning and gleaning. When John was preaching to the people, they were drawn to him. For he was preaching with authority from God, and they, they wanted more. And that's where Jesus comes in on the scene after the desert, being tempted and overcoming that. And so the message was not John's clever, made-up message, right? It was a message from heaven. It was about the actions people needed to take to prepare for the one whom they had been waiting for, just like today. We're preparing for Jesus to come back. And this message was real, raw. It was honest. Repent and be baptized. The gospel starts with repentance, right? It leads to forgiveness. It flows into process of refinement. It's a prayer and then a process. Right? Because you can pray once and say, oh, okay, I accepted the Lord, and, and live like a son of hell, right? Or a daughter of hell. I'm just saying, you can just say, I said a prayer, though. Fire insurance kind of stuff, right? But it's not just a prayer and then do whatever you want. It's a prayer and then it's a process as God works on our hearts. The gospel, it's powerful. It's a lifelong process that leads to spiritual growth and flourishing in the faith. And an increased longing to be with the Lord. Like the more you seek him, the more you pray to him, get into his word, fellowship, the more you're going to actually look forward to those things. I love what uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, Lloyd-Jones said. He said, the glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. So many times and so often the church starts to conform to the world instead of being set apart and looking different than the world because we're trying to be cool and seeker-friendly and, well, we just want to get as many people as we can here. And it's, it becomes a huge, a huge thing with a bunch of people that's super shallow. But it's not about that, right? It's about being set apart, being holy, being sanctified, looking different, sounding different, and having people be intrigued, like, what, why don't you do that? Or why do you do this? Why are you so different? Like, I'm intrigued. Tell me opportunity, open doors to share with boldness. Like when we talk to people about the things of God, some have heard the words, but not, uh, they don't want to respond, right? For others, the words are so different than anything they've ever heard. They're like, what? Like when I first heard it, that's what I was like. I was like, what are you talking about? First, I was like, my, to my, my friend, I thought he was just crazy, right? And I was like, what are you talking about? But the more I studied on my own, and I studied myself and read the Gospel of Matthew and all that before I was a believer, I was like, wow. I was just, everything was just amazing, right? It was like my eyes were opened. But the fact is the gospel, when responded to, it leads to amazing things. It leads to life change. 
I just want to leave you with, with a quote this morning. Josh McDowell, he's an apologist. He wrote, Wherever Jesus has been proclaimed, we see lives change for the good, nations change for the better, thieves become honest, alcoholics become sober, hateful individuals become channels of love, unjust persons embrace justice. So the truth changes and transforms as we simply relay it with passion, with conviction, with true faith that all the words that God has given us are completely and totally true. None of this is made up. We don't have blind faith. We have faith based upon evidence from God's word. It's amazing. And so we get to relay the reality, and we, we can do it with boldness. Now, some people are antisocial, and they're like, I'd rather just stay home and not talk to anyone ever, right? But, uh, but even those people I've seen just pray for boldness, and God uses them. They might, may be soft-spoken, but they'll still share the truth with courage with someone and pray with them. And it's like, wow, God can surpass our timidity. He can take away our inhibitions. Um, he can annihilate our, our, our fear. And he can give us that boldness and courage to get out there and make a difference. And all glory to him. It's not our clever made-up message. It's God's word. It's God's truth. It's the gospel from him to us. And now we get, it gets to like flow through us to others. And it's such a blessing. Amen?